0: Battleborn by Simmons. Is this the Battle-born Fan Talk. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Anselmo, joined by... My co-host, Nicholas Velocchi. Nick, how are you doing today?
1: Oh, you know, we're doing great. We're, uh, you know, we're amid the almost, you know, it's New Year's, though. Next, New Year's Eve tomorrow. Got a 2022 looking good for our Blue Jays. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, 2021 was a very big, big year. A lot of things happened. Uh, I mean, no guarantee that this thing, uh, this season gets underway, but we're hoping this lockout resolves soon but we'll get into that eventually
0: yep so let's kick off the show with an off-season roundup obviously like you said we're ending the new year so let's go with the main topic of this podcast as a look back on uh, the 2021 season uh the good the bad and um you know some changes that could have been made so let's start off with um you know the team finished with a 91 and 71 record uh they were fourth in the al east uh nine games back of uh first place and they missed the wild card spot by a single game now before i get to my opinion on how that day went how were you feeling when uh you know it came so close to the wire and then the jays just couldn't get any help and uh they missed the playoffs
1: well i think when i saw that it was down to uh looking on to the Washington game and needing them to get a win. I think at that point I was pretty, uh, you know, I wasn't too happy with our odds uh, or something like that, just because of the fact that, you know, it, over the course of the year, you see how there's a lot of games that should have been won that weren't won. And, you know, for it to come down to a single game, it just feels like it really wasn't meant to happen, unfortunately. And that's kind of the way things played out. It's, it's always hard having your fate in other teams' hands. You want to kind of take care of that on your own.
0: I, I totally agree that was the same thing with me you know that whole day i was just thinking about every single game that you know like chat would blew up or like the brad hand like oh. uh experiment that went totally wrong and uh to lose like well to miss a playoff spot like that was just heartbreaking especially because how fun this team was um so you know that last day uh, i remember um you know, I was watching the game for so long when we were waiting for the Yankees and uh, the Red Sox scores and uh, you know I had my brother needed a ride so I, I was like oh I got to rush in the car to go pick him up and my phone goes off and I see the final score and it, it just it was a total mess uh, I was you know really heartbroken for, la- for like the couple days after that because how special this team was like you know, we're obviously younger Jays fans. We haven't really had a team that exciting since like, you know, when double A well, went all. With yeah. the
1: 2016, 2016 team. I think, I think that yeah, was, so, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sorry. Go ahead.
0: That's all right. So, so like that, those were the times where, you know, Blue Jays baseball here in Canada was, you know, the most exciting and to see it just end in that fashion, you know, having the season uh, that Vladdy had and guys like Boba shed and Tay Oscar just end that way, um, you know, it's definitely really tough to get over, especially with, like, you know, the fans coming back to Canada and all that stuff. Uh, it was just a total mess.
1: Yeah, no, I think the thing is, it's like a double-edged it's like a double sword because on one end of the uh, spectrum, you're like, you know what, it was a great year. You know, you saw those guys take those next steps. You saw Vladdy go into, like, you know, coming to his own uh, as a hitter. You saw Bo make jumps, defensively especially. Um, yeah. Then on the other side, you think about the fact that oh you know we didn't capitalize on the one year of marcus Simeon we didn't capitalize on the one on the year that robbie ray had right and now they're gone right so that's kind of so you see these growths that you know everybody on the team's made and it's it's very very um exciting but at the same time you know you felt like that you know that was a great opportunity that we may have wasted right because we still have to find that production elsewhere moving forward and um I think with the position that they were in you know uh, once again though I mean that going back to that last day like I remember the Jays took care of business right Mm -hmm. and then the Nats were up five nothing right yeah and I think it was going into the sixth or seventh if I'm not mistaken but I could be I could be wrong on that I think it was like the seventh day, then it was late um and then you know they just blew it and then like I don't think it gets any more frustrating than that you know having 162-game season come down to one game that you're not even playing in, you know, but yep. that's the way these things go sometimes, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well said. And, you know, that was just a haunting day. I still uh, get upset thinking about it. So let's move on to this offensive team that Jays had. You know, it was a real offensive juggernaut. Uh, they were third in run scored, second in hits, second in average, fourth in on-base percentage, first in slugging, First in OPS and first in home runs. Uh, tell me, did you expect this team to have this offensive production so early on? And um, you know, players like Vladdy and uh, Bo Bichette's career.
1: Uh, well, I think I think Bo from the start uh, was always, you know, he always when he came up and he went on that insane, you know, second half little tear in his rookie season. Um, you know, you got a good idea, you know, this guy he's going to be something with the bat. And I think that, you know, Vladdy a little slower to get into it, but you always knew it was there. You saw it at every level in the minor leagues. I mean, he was hitting 400 basically since he could walk. Like, you know, like that's just basically what he's been doing. So I was always somebody who's, you know, very patient with him. And I understood that, you know, one day, like this is what we'll see. And obviously it took needing to drop some weight, you know, some serious weight, but he put the work in and he was ready. And, you know, we saw what happened and hopefully he can replicate that now moving forward. Um, but as a juggernaut overall, I think getting protection in the lineup, like Springer, like a Simeon, uh, and especially Teoscar just being the consistent force that he's been over the last couple of years. I think all that considered, uh, is a big reason why, you know, we saw what we saw last year. And I think that'll continue as each player grows.
0: Yep. And, uh, the stuff about Vladi, you're like that. I completely agree with uh you know he really took that turn in his own development and you know the results are really there from the, uh, themselves uh he finished with 47 home runs uh next year uh given what we've seen all over social media i, I have full belief uh belief that this guy could hit 50 um you know he just looks like a man on a mission now after this year and you know that's really exciting uh, as jays fans because You know, as a younger player like him, to be our franchise kind of guy, uh, to see him be dedicated like that and put his own work in on his own development is definitely encouraging.
1: No, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, that was kind of – that was the thing, right? Because you got this kid with – I don't want to go as far as to say the most, but I'd say he's up there in terms of, you know, the most hyped-up bat we've seen in, like, the last 10 years. Like, I, I can't think of the last guy who had that much, you know, um just noise around him, like constantly at every level and like since he was you know since he was young I mean obviously the name helps obviously you know being yep. Vladimir Guerrero's son helps but it was clear that like you know he knew what to do with the bat in his hand and it's, and it's not even not even the bat itself like his vision uh that he's displayed at every level was phenomenal right and mixed that with plus plus power and you know you got something serious mm-hmm. I think he's on that
0: so now, before we get to more of the off kind of stuff, and we continue with our look back, um, let's just get this out of the way because I know you know this is probably the toughest thing to talk about um, in this episode is uh, the lockout. So um, you know the potential change coming to the MLB. I know I've seen rumors like potentially a cap floor. Um, apparently, Boston and uh, New York are trying very hard to get that uh, you know put into the agreement. But then there's also other topics that, you know, like the universal DH, uh, the expanded playoffs and uh, the service time manipulation. Uh, These two sides are completely far apart. Um, They're nowhere near an agreement uh, to say we're going to have a season, let alone spring training is uh, very far um, in doubt right now. What do you think happens with this? What's a timeline you think uh, they settle an agreement? And do you think we have baseball this summer?
1: All right. Well, I think all things considered, I do think we'll get baseball. I just don't know when. I just don't know when. I I am confident they'll co- they'll come to agreement of some sort. But I, in in all honesty, with what I've seen and what I've looked over, it's a lot of the case where what I've made of it at least is that the players, you know, for once they want to push back because you know it's the the league's very very uh you know pro owner in a lot of yeah. ways. Mm -hmm. right you you know like you can spend as much as you want on the team you can do whatever you want like there's not many restrictions where that's concerned not to mention that you can pay guys literally pennies for their services and they can be you know uh yeah they can be crazy talented like we look at the Braves for example they're gonna be paying what Acuna for seven years I think it was a hundred million dollars something like that yep and uh Albies is even worse you know you got one of the top young second basemen in the game you're paying 35 million dollars for multiple years like like he could make 35 over two years you know that's that'd be a good valued contract but mm-hmm. you know given where the game's at it's it's very extreme on the owner side and i think that that is something they want to close the gap on because it's kind of ridiculous how guys can basically make nothing and they can even be delayed on getting paid because guys get sent down they don't get called up in time you know and then they get an extra year eligibility and for some like some people that's a big deal you know a lot of guys don't make it even out of the arbitration stage, they don't get to that point. Right. So for them to want to get paid sooner, it, you know, it's a sense of security because it's not fair to them that they're being put in this position where they need to perform for a club and perform for a team and do whatever. And they put in the work for all these years. And then they get called up and they're making less than league minimum and they're doing this and that, and they're not then years away from touching a big contract and it's never going to happen. Right. So, I mean, for the top level players, it's not that much of a concern, but from what it looks like and what it, and, and how it should be is that you know those lower mid-tier kind of players you know they're looking to get paid more and i think that's that makes a lot of sense right and i yeah. think that's kind of what we're seeing with like okay like we we're talking about the floor the floor is a great idea because when we look at, at a team like the pirates <laughs> right that i know you know very well <laughs> um you know they refuse to spend any money like they just won't spend money they will pay the cheapest like they can for guys They'll put a team out there that'll win six, 60, 70 games. You know, They're not going to win very many games. They are you know, obviously being, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, they're not going to win very many games, let's be honest here. You know, they're going to get a number one or two pick every year. And that's that. They're not going to pay anybody. They're not going to re-sign favorites. They're not going to do any of that sort because they have no interest in competing. They're simply there to get a check, right? And that's ridiculous. That's not a way you want to run a franchise and it throws the whole league off. And that's just, you know, players don't like that because it just, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they want they want money to be spent. And I think that's kind of what's going to have to happen.
0: Good old nutting down in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Refusing to pay his players and all that stuff. Oh, man, don't even get me started on that. But, yeah, I totally agree. No, like, I think a cap, uh, like a cap floor, not something so, like, you know, tight on teams, like in other pro sports, uh, like the NHL, for example, where, like, you know, you really have that slim budget, but something a little more that gets more teams competitive, uh, without getting teams like the Dodgers to spend much more than you know like maybe the top 10 bottom teams you know what I mean mm-hmm. so uh, something to make it a little bit more of a competitive advantage because uh, it seems like there's just too distant of a margin um, between teams like the Dodgers and like you said like the Pirates for example uh, given how much both teams spend it's like completely different like if you look at the totals like for example, Scherzer's going to be making more than the Pirates roster now after his deal with the Mets. So, like, that's, a that's a, that's like, outstanding. That's insane. One single player at age, like, 40, 40-plus 40 is going to be making more than a whole team in the majors. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, that's kind of the theme we're seeing, though. Like, especially those top-level guys getting $300 million deals, and their teammates are out here making, you know, less than a million dollars. And it's not that, you know, that's not, not to say that that's not a lot of money. Obviously, that's great money. But mm-hmm. – in perspective to what they provide for a team and what owners make, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Cause a lot of those guys aren't going to be there very long. So they need to bridge that gap just in general, because they need more money flowing in to pay these players. Right.
0: Yeah. All right. Now let's uh, get the off the lockout talk out of the way. Yeah. Um, you know, that's so uh, tough to talk about. Obviously nobody knows when the time period uh, is going to be done. Um, hopefully it's soon. But uh, moving on with the losses in the offseason so far, and this very short offseason we've got, obviously now due to the lockout, and uh, since the season, uh, the playoffs were just uh, over. Uh, the Jays lost, we'll start off with, obviously, the biggest one, in my opinion, Robbie Ray, uh, to Seattle on a five-year deal for $115 million. Uh, Ray was a guy that, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be completely flat-out honest, um, when we re-signed him in this, uh last off season, i was i wasn't like too excited about it like i was excited that you know obviously we got a starting pitcher but um you know I, I really didn't think he could actually produce what he did this season and i'll be the first one to admit that and uh you know just seeing how he really broke out this year like it was so fun to watch i remember going to roger center and seeing him pitch like this guy was untouchable and he was so dedicated to the team and it sucks that um, he couldn't stay here longer, but uh, you know, Pete Walker did a fantastic job with Robbie. And uh, I just want to know what's your opinion with uh, Ray leaving. And do you think that this is going to hurt big time? Or do you think, uh, obviously we'll get to the Gosman signing in a bit, but do you think uh, Toronto can find this, uh, you know, production elsewhere? Within right, looking at the roster
1: right now. All right, so let's start off with initial thoughts. So, Robbie Ray. I mean, in the past, I think it was twenty seventeen around that time. You know, he was. I think he finished top five, top three in Cy voting for a year. I think. I think he was up there one time because uh, he had a, he had a little stretch where he was decent, but you know, he fell off majorly uh recently. Before they traded for him uh, in Arizona, you know, I think he had like a something absurd. I think he had like a. K Ron out over nine or something. I, I I might be wrong on that, but I think it's something around. Yeah. Anyways, he came to Toronto. You know, his first year wasn't too much. I don't think he did you know, he seemed like he was they used him out of the pen. Um, they didn't really do much with him and they re signed him and I didn't really pay much for him. Um, but no, he came into this year and he basically went two pitches, you know, he turned into a two pitch pitcher and it worked tremendously, right? He mm-hmm. you know, did give did have a tendency to give up the home run, but that was basically the only thing that was hurting him. He didn't give up you know, nearly, uh, I mean, I think, I think it was something like it was only, or not only, but it was a majority just solo shots. He wasn't really getting guys home runs with guys on base. So that was kind of why ZRA was, where is at. Because although he was giving up all those home runs, it didn't matter because nobody was on base.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, but what we saw from him was, if I'm being honest, probably his best season that he's going to have. I, agree I, I mean, the only, like my opinion on him was the fact that like, you know, five years, that's too much in my opinion. I wouldn't have gone five years. I think they made the right decision in that um in that regard only because of the fact that he's a max effort pitcher i mean come on who doesn't you know he's he's groaning every pitch, he's grunting every pitch we see, we all see it right mm-hmm. and that's fine he's okay but you know year four year five of that contract you know that that's where it kind of gets iffy right because if that fastball falls off or that slider falls off then you're stuck with a guy with one pitch right mm-hmm. and i mean you know you don't really want to get into that water uh, and i, I mean gossman's a similar kind of guy but i think that peripherals favor him, you know, the advanced stats do favor him moving forward. But um the loss itself, I mean the loss of twenty twenty one, um, Robbie Ray is massive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh that's that's a that's a bona fide ace, that's a bona fide number one. That's a Cy Young winner, right? Mm-hmm. Um that that's always gonna be tough to replace. But moving forward, I think even if you re signed him, you weren't gonna see the same Robbie Ray. Like you would have seen a very, very good pitcher for the next two, three years probably. But I don't think he would have been Cy Young level uh you know that you were gonna have to pay him yeah
0: um
1: but no i think i think looking at the uh internal options uh they're not great as of right now i mean you are expecting pearson to hopefully make a jump
0: oh that's the yearly we're run.
1: still we're still waiting on it i mean <laughs> we keep hearing rumblings i mean they they released something there was a, there was an announcement i think a little bit from what pete walker was talking about about how he's confident for him next year um Because he's finally putting that injury, you know, the whole hopefully he can put the injuries aside. I mean, by the end of the year, the stuff was there, right? Yeah. Out of the pen, the stuff was there. It's just that can it translate now to starting? I mean, I think that's going to be an on and off thing. Like, I don't think they're ready ready to give up on him, and which is why I don't think you'll see him in a trade package anytime soon. Um, yeah. But what I do think is even with the addition of Gosman, I think losing Mats and uh, and losing uh, Ray, you're going to have to get some help from the outside. So a trade's going to have to happen, or a signing of yeah. some sort.
0: So then, you know, the losses continued. Um, Steven Matz goes to the Cardinals. Four years, $44 million. Um, obviously, wasn't the loss that Ray is. But, you know, in my opinion, I, I still think this uh, this stings. Because, you know, obviously, Matz didn't have, you know, a career season here and, um, you know, all over the media. But he did have some ups and downs and his performances, uh, you know, here and there. Um, you know, he was never really, you know, a surplus grade A reliable starter. Um, but he did give us some good work. And uh, I really think if he had, you know, a little bit more time with, uh, you know, Walker and stuff, I really think they could have found something in him. You know, everybody talked about Mats when he was younger, you know, being this huge <laughs> prospect in the Mets organization. Um, he just really never put it together in the MLB. I really think if if um, you know Walker had the chance to work with Matt over like an extended period of time, besides just this year like uh, he did, I really think we could have seen something Ray like. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm not saying this guy would have won a Cy Young, but I think Matts is still very young in his development in a lot of ways, and I think he has a lot of untapped potential still. I know you know his age is obviously getting up there, and now that he's with the Cards for four years, but I think Walker really could have found something. Uh, tell me. Do you agree? The loss of Matt's, what does that uh, mean to you?
1: Uh, In my opinion, that's an underrated loss. I don't think people talk about it enough because I'm looking at the numbers now. I mean, guy goes 14 and 7 with a 3.8 ERA. I mean, for a number 5, that's That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you take that any day of the week, and for what they're paying him, it was was a bargain. I think even at this contract, it's not the worst contract in the world because even if he falls at that number 4 and stays there, number 4, number 3, probably not number 3, Gotta look at the, I gotta look at the rotation. But if he's, he's, in that number four range, you know, and he's there for multiple years, and he's in that, you know, three point eight to four point four something in there, ERA wise. That's, a, that's a great, that's, that's a good bargain. Eleven million dollars for a pitcher, for a starter who's going to give you innings. That's fine. That, that's not an issue. But I do think that's a good signing for them, especially with, you know, the way he pitches. He's a ground ball pitcher. Cardinals probably have the best defense in the MLB, at least in the infield, right? So I think that's a great signing for them. He did a lot here. I mean, he had stretches where he was – I mean, he had that one start against the the Yankees late in the season that was phenomenal. Um, But, you know, yeah, he's a big loss as well. I don't think people talk about that enough. But I guess he will be easier to replace than Ray because similar to what they did with Matt, they'll probably try to find somebody who just needs help to put it all together. And, you know, we have uh, a good set of guys who can do that.
0: All right. Now going with a guy that, you know, a lot of people do talk about his uh, talents leaving the Blue Jays. Uh, this was all over sports media. Uh, Marcus Simeon going to Texas on a seven year deal for one hundred seventy five million. Uh, Simeon, I'll let you take the floor with this one first. Uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was huge on Simeon when they signed him. Uh, I mean, I never understood why he even got to that point, uh, why he was even available. Like, if I was Oakland, I would have locked him up. I mean, we're looking at a guy who 2020, that shortened season, he didn't have a great year. But that's only if you really look at the numbers overall. He really just had a really bad first month, and then the second month of the season was more in line with the rest of his career. I mean, 2019, the guy finished uh, third in the MVP voting, I think, as well. Right? Mm-hmm. So the guy's shown that he's capable of doing it, and he did it at a premier position, like shortstop. Right? Um, you know, the guy went to Gold Glove and Silver Slugger in the same year. That's gonna be hard to replace. It's the most home runs a second baseman's ever hit. That's gonna be very difficult to replace, right? Like you're not gonna find that, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think with him, like I said with Ray, I do think that the uh the potential negative on the back end of that contract that because he got paid. Like I found I think yeah. I remember here somewhere. Uh what was it? Uh seven-year deal 175. But he got paid, right? Mm-hmm. He got paid big time. Seven-year deal for Marcus Simeon. I not huge on. Uh, I would have went five probably the max I would have went um, for him. I mean, I do think he'll age fine. Like, I don't I don't see him dropping off a cliff for at least until year six or seven of that contract. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't think he'll be the same. Even next year probably won't be the same. But um, I do think that he did a lot for the team. Like, even beyond the hitting itself and the, the defense stuff, he helped, um, you know, he helped Bo out a lot from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, I can't ask anyone, but from what they've given us, the details they've shared mm-hmm. – is that he helped him a lot with his fielding, right? And I think that's why we saw that huge jump where he was concerned, right? Bo got a lot better defensively once Simeon arrived. Yeah, um, And I just think that for the price that they had to pay, you know, I think the Jays made the right decision. But, you know, that's offensive production that you're just not going to get unless you say go out there and grab, I don't know, Jose Ramirez, maybe. Jay Graham. But besides that, like, you know, guy's a phenomenal hitter. We saw that. I was excited when he got here. Uh, I was really hoping they could pull some strings, but with how young this team is and how much money you're going to need to spend to keep the core together for all those years, I think they made the right decision.
0: Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think when Marcus was, you know, brought in, it really was kind of under the table. Like, you know what I mean? In terms of the media's eyes and stuff oh, like yeah. that. At the time they brought in Springer and it was around the same time. And uh, I remember, cause obviously my brother's a white Sox fan and we all know Simeon with the white Sox. Mm-hmm. So we were very familiar with the player. We were actually kind of surprised a bit that he did come to Toronto. But, um, you know, we didn't. We both agreed that we did not see as big of a season coming in um, that he had. We projected something more, you know, I, I'm not going to say mediocre because he's a way above average player. Um, yeah, I
1: know what you're saying. I know what you're going with this.
0: But it was kind of like, you know, just your average, uh, let's say, this amount of home runs, blah, blah, blah we like but this guy came in here and really shut me up like this guy had a heck of a season um you know he the whole year I just couldn't stop thinking about like you know eventually what if this guy leaves because he ended up being one of my favorite players at the end of the year and um you know I'm going to support him in Texas I hope he does uh, extremely well um but you know it it was tough losing Marcus after this season you like you said, you can't just take that production out of your lineup and expect the exact same results that you got this year. so you know he was a heck of a player um you know the power that he showed this year as a second baseman and uh, an infielder all around in general was just absolutely awesome yeah, uh, no,
1: if I can add one more thing even um. Yeah. I think the veteran leadership also was was huge. Like I think he was because he was a good change of pace for the whole team. You know, because you know the the Blue Jays uh, as a lineup, they're very energetic, they're very young, they're very exciting. I think that like level headed, you didn't really see him ever get too high, too low. You know, he was mm-hmm. he was that kind of stable force. But yeah, no, I I never saw any of this coming. Like I saw, I thought he'd have a good year. You know, two sixty average that sounds about right. Yep. I would have thought more twenty home runs, twenty five, not forty five. Yeah, not 45 I would have thought more of like 25 20 that range but yeah no he surpassed my expectations and I kept because wait- he off that good start and I was like is he gonna stop like is it gonna fall off I was waiting like not even you know not even trying to be like negative I'm just like this is absurd like you know he's got to slow down at some point right like this is so out of what he's capable of doing but I guess when you play in the Coliseum for that long you know a change of pace to a hitter's friendly ballpark makes a huge difference
0: right yep so let's move on. Uh, one of the biggest moves the Jays made so far in this mini offseason was extending Burrios. Uh, Burrios got extended for seven years, 131 million. Uh, at the time the, of the Burrios trade, I remember Toronto was on fire, especially Toronto uh, Blue Jays Twitter. Um, a lot of fans were upset that, you know, the, uh, the prospects they sent the other way uh, were involved. But, you know, you got to give to get, right? And obviously, you know, giving up Austin and stuff like that, definitely not something, um, you know, it was extremely comfortable talking about. But Barrios, like, a lot of people, like, don't understand how good Barrios is. Like, he's a horse. Like, this guy can give you max innings and, you know, full, complete trust in his um, talent. Like, what he's got, like, he's got a pitching armory that, you know, I'm really confident in him being good for a long time. Like, I don't expect this player to just fall off a cliff. And I think, yeah, we did give up some pretty good prospects. But, you know, this team needed a guy like this. And especially with Ryu's kind of fall off to end uh, last year. Uh, what do you think? Like, do you think uh, the Barrios move was good? I, I, in my opinion, I think it's a win all around.
1: Yeah, no, I, I loved it. I loved it when they we traded for him. I loved it now. You know, I was skeptical at first because I did see the names and it was some pretty big names. When I went back, you know, Austin Martin, Simeon Woods, Richardson, yeah. those are two big names. But, you know, I dove into it because I'm like, you know, this seems like an overpay at first look. You know, it seemed like we gave up a lot. But when you really dive into it, it was clear that, you know, uh, internal evaluations of both those prospects weren't, you know, were nearly as high as you would have expected. Yeah. Austin Martin was somebody who they thought couldn't hit for any power. And, you know, the numbers backed that up. His his on-base percentage was really high, but it was inflated because of a lot of hit-by-pitches. So, you know, on the surface, it looked like, wow, you know, we got, we got robbed. But, mm-hmm. you know, with Simula Twidgerson dropping in velocity and losing location, you know, it's like you don't know what's going to end up with those guys, you know, and that's kind of the whole um, – I think that's kind of what we have to learn as both fans um, of teams and just fans of the league, that sometimes mm-hmm. you have to give up big prospects because the truth is there are very few sure things ever, when it comes to prospects right so even though Austin Martin had that big name and SWR you thought was the next great pitcher you know um Berrios was a sure thing Berrios has has been a sure thing and will continue to be a sure thing the guy doesn't get hurt you know knock on wood obviously but uh-huh. the, the guy doesn't get hurt he'll throw 200 plus innings a year he'll be somewhere you know he's not going to be untouchable but he'll be solid he'll go six six or seven innings two three runs you know he'll be in that high threes, low uh, probably mid to high threes more now, I think moving forward. I think the the days of a low four Barrios is probably behind us. Um, but you know, and to get that for seven years now on on a, an extension for um, less than a high, less than twenty million a year basically, that's a steal in my opinion. I wouldn't I, I don't know if I'd put him on that number one kind of pitcher threshold, but he's definitely at number two in my opinion. Mm. I think that's a great deal for a number two.
0: Well, since we're talking about you know superstar pitching, Let's go into Gosman now. You know, the Jays bring him over from San Francisco on a five-year deal worth $110 million. Obviously, Jays management, uh, we all know they've been trying to get uh, Gosman for a couple years now. This guy's got a, like a 46% whiff rate. Um, just a complete uh, surprise down in San Fran. This guy really had a nice season. And obviously, I watched a lot of, uh, you know, NL games. And uh, Gosman, like at times, this guy just looked like he was untouchable, and obviously, that's unsustainable given any kind of player circumstances. But Gosman, the Gosman signing, I will tell you right now, I have never been more excited about a Jay's signing. Like, don't get me wrong, I loved the Springer move last year, but for some reason, I just got this really, really big rush when we got Gosman. Uh, I think it was because that was around the time where the Ray talks were going sideways, and the media kind of got you know some information that maybe it wasn't looking good with the Jays. And I was just completely in shock. I was so like effing excited. Um, You know, I can't wait to see this guy in a Jays uniform. Uh, Like you said, like Ray, the similarities are there. This guy's a horse, Um, you know. Obviously, we saw what he did with San Fran. Tell me, what are you expecting from him now as a Jay, And uh, how excited uh, did the signing make you?
1: No, it's a great signing, in my opinion, right? And the price isn't too bad. uh, Good length of years. I think part of the reason that it's so – I think part of the reason that it was so exciting to hear about was because you know this team's going to contend, and you needed that top-level arm to add, and to get, you know, one of the best ones on the market, you know, that's always a great sign. And I think that they wanted Gosman over Ray, and I think that was pretty clear uh, by the way things turned out. I mean, you look at what he did this year, 14-6, and with a 2.8 ERA, more than solid. The reason I think he's similar to Ray is because he's a two pitch pitcher. Um, I mean, he has the occasional slider as well, but his main pitch is that is a split finger fastball, right? That splitter. Uh, and it's exceptional. It's probably, I don't know. It's gotta be top five, top three in baseball. I think at least right now, at least right now. And uh, no, he's, he's definitely an exciting, uh, exciting, uh you know, pitcher to see next year. Um, I think he'll be a great stabilizer for this team. And I think that that's kind of what you need. I, again, I think, He's probably that low one, high two, but at times he pitched like a high one, right? And he pitched yeah. like the top tier one. That's,
0: that's not but,
1: but even that's if he regresses to a low one, high two, I think that's perfect. You know, you mix that that in with a Berrios, with a Manoa. Uh, I mean, hopefully you get a better Ryu next year. Hopefully Pearson does something, yeah. and you know they got to add one more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably you know that'll that'll be your battle for the for the five spots on rotation. But you know, I think it's a great signing, and I think that. He's going to have an exceptional year, I think, next year.
0: All right. Now with another ad that the Jays made in this mini-offseason, Yemi Garcia to the bullpen, uh, or the arm barn, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, he had a 4.21 ERA in uh, 62 games for Houston and Miami last season. He's uh, 31 years old uh, with a career ERA of 360. Um, this is actually kind of a funny story. So, Last year around the trade deadline time, um, I remember I was talking to one of my friends who is a huge Jays fan. And um, it was after one of the games that I think Chatwood blew up. Um, And it was like, you know, just a bad vibe uh, because it was a very winnable game. And I remember I was talking about, you know, potential guys that the Jays could go out and get. And I remember um, I go home that night and I'm just browsing, uh, you know, MLB.com and fan graphs and stuff like that. And I come across Yemi Garcia. And at this time he was on the Marlins. I remember I screenshotted his player profile. I sent to my friend, I saved in the chat as well. And I'm like, I really hope the Jays go out and, you know, maybe bring him, you know, this guy as an idea probably wouldn't cost much as, you know, the other names, blah, blah, blah. Then he goes to Houston. So <laughs> that went out the window. Then, you know, to start off the off season, he comes to Toronto after all that. And, um, you know, I think this is a pretty good move, you know, stabilizing the bullpen a bit. This guy's pitched in, you know, some pretty big games. Uh, tell me, do you think uh, Garcia has uh, some sort of value um, in this move or is this just, you know, your average bullpen kind of piece ad?
1: Uh, so I don't think we've spent too much time on this because, you know, it's just it's just a bullpen arm, but I think it's a good one in my opinion. I think it's a good move. Uh, I like it. Not, It wasn't too expensive. Um you do need guys that have the experience, I think. And I think that's what you need in this bullpen because mm-hmm. a lot of the time that's what we lacked last year. We were throwing guys into positions they'd never been in, you know, we we're relying on guys like, you know, he did do well at the beginning, but then he disappeared, you know, in Merriweather. Um, mm-hmm. But no, you're calling up guys like Bergen to close games. And it's like, what are we doing here? Like what, what is happening? Right. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just a mistake, but I think he, I think Garcia is a good, a good pickup. Um, got a lot of experience can get the job done. He's been reliable. I don't think he's had, I mean, I have to look at it in depth, but you know, this year was okay. It was 4.2 ERA, but I mean, obviously ERA isn't the best indicator of, you know, how good a pitcher is, but he's never really had a year where he's been awful. He's been not, you know, reliable, you know, 18 and guy, you know, if he needed to be a closer, he can be, but I think Romano's got that on lockdown in my opinion, but yeah. um, now he'll definitely be a good uh, addition and a good solid piece um, for this next year. I think is it a is it a
0: one year deal? I can't even remember to be honest. Um, I think I'm um, actually I'm not even sure. It might be maybe a two year deal. Oh, me, yeah, I think it's multiple. I don't think it's just a one. I can get it right now. Uh, see. I think you got some term.
1: I think I had it right here. Oh no, it's two year, eleven million. Yeah, so that's fine. Five five and a half million for a back end arm is is perfect. That that's fine.
0: Yeah. All right. So, um, since we're wrapping up this mini off season talk. Uh, what grade would you give it so far, given the loss and the additions?
1: Um, I think somewhere in a B, B-plus range, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to go A when you lose guys like Simeon and Ray. Yep. Uh, like, you you know, you'd have to do something pretty exceptional. But I think they handled it well, you know. Yeah. I do think they need a couple more bullpen pieces, in my opinion. um, uh, Maybe another starter. Uh, and then you got to find someone to play second or third, like either or, you know you don't need both, but you need one because you got to be able to move. You, you can't have Cavan Biggio and uh, Espinal playing at the same time when opening day comes around.
0: I agree. I, I gave it, I, I think I have to give it the exact same grade. Um, like you said, losing Simeon and Ray, those losses are, you know, those are pretty big losses given what they gave last year. But I think the way the Jays went out, um, you know, they weren't afraid to spend, like I said, they got Gosman. Um they, did, they handled it well, like you said. Uh, definitely exciting to see how these moves unfold, but I, I don't think they're done yet at all. I think when the lockout's over, we're going to see, um, you know, now they know the deck of cards they've been handed, given the situations to certain players. I really think they're going to go out and, uh, you know, kind of have some fun here and whatever offseason we get after this lockout.
1: No, yeah, I agree for sure. I agree. I think that they're willing to spend money, and they've shown that. Right? So I think... All they have to do is weigh the uh, potential future costs because, uh, you know, I still got to pay Bo and Vlad and those guys. But other than that, no, they've shown a willingness to spend. And I think that'll continue.
0: All righty. Now let's transition into last season. Um, how, like I said, how special the team was and missing the playoffs by a game was heartbreaking. But uh, tell me, Ryu's, um, the way he kind of, I don't want to say com- like completely fell out. Like he did No, he did. did, not- you know,
1: he did. He fell off.
0: Yeah, like he, he like hit the wall hard. So, um, you know, as we do a last season look back in this episode, um, you go first, and then I'll build off um your answer. But do you think Ryu has a chance at bouncing back this season? Because you know, obviously, I'm scared, but I think he, I think the option's still there. Like, I don't think this guy's completely done. What about you?
1: Um, I think the main thing where he's concerned is that he did deal with injuries last year, Mm -hmm. right? But you can't just chalk that up to, Oh, it's just injuries because the guy is getting old. He's getting up there in age. Um, And the one thing is the guy, the guy's not, let's, let's be honest. He's not a flamethrower, right? Probably topping out at 90, 91, right? Sitting mostly 88, but he throws about a million pitches. Um, The problem with that is though, he's got to be spot on with location. You know, when injuries happen, location goes. So I think, um if he can stay healthy i think you're still looking at a solid three in the rotation Mm -hmm. but if those injuries sneak up on him and we saw because when he was the Dodgers, it was the same story he'd have a great first half and he'd fall off in the second half because he'd get hurt or something of of that sort right so -hmm. it all has to do with health in my opinion if he stays healthy he'll have a good year if he doesn't you'll see struggles like he did last year and i think that's kind of just how it's going to be
0: yeah i don't think we're ever going to see his you know best Uh, again, uh, in his career. I think, you know, his best days are behind him. Uh, Only because, like you said, he's not really known for his, you know, velocity and stuff like that. He's a movement kind of guy. And uh, like you said, the accuracy, once those injuries came, it just wasn't there. And he was giving up a lot of soft, uh, you know. And uh, he really got burned in a lot of games against teams that a lot of them weren't even that good. Like, I remember... Uh, when he got, like, flamed against Baltimore and teams like that. And it, that's that's extremely concerning because, you know, then we get into the talk about what if this guy's pitching in, you know, like high-leverage games, right? And uh, I think you're completely right. If this guy manages to stay healthy, we're going to see his best. But, uh, you know, definitely concerning given his injury past. And, um, you know, you were completely right with what we saw in L.A. Yeah, this guy would have, like, like – an all-star campaign uh, first half. And I remember he he was even the starter for one of the all-star games when he was uh with the Dodgers. And then the second half, he just non-existent. And I think it's, like you said, the injuries pile up on him on a guy like that that's not known for his velocity. And uh, you know, his movement is getting hit and it's getting hit hard. So I think he can bounce back. I don't think we're going to see a top end pitcher <laughs> out of him, you know, for the next going with his time to Jays here, but I think, like you said, he could be a middle kind of guy, and um, you know, I think this team's really relying on him bouncing back to form. Because if they don't, then uh, you know, that's kind of lead another uh, hole open for uh, you know Blue Jays management to fix.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think that's kind of the big thing, right? Like, like what I'm saying, number three. That's assuming he's perfectly healthy and he's on his game. Like being a re- the most uh, common, or sorry, not the most common, but the uh, the most likely situation probably sees him falling in that maybe even low four territory you know like really back end back end arm right like i, I i'd love to see him be at the top of his game and when i mean top of his game it's nowhere near where he once was But top of his game is still a very serviceable and solid pitcher in this league but if he's not top of his game and he's getting injured you're, you're looking at a five or four in rotation
0: yep so now as uh you know we continue this talk about the 2021 season as we near uh New Year's um let's talk about your three favorite moments from the season. I'll talk about my uh three favorite. First um we'll go one each back and forth. So starting with my first one, uh it was the home stand. You know, to me coming back to Toronto, uh it was like it's just I can't even use words to describe, you know, um, I'm a sports geek, as you can tell I, on this uh, network here. I'm recording a hundred different podcasts with multiple people talking to you about every single sport in Toronto. But um, you know, Toronto came back. I was in attendance that day, and it was just so special. You know, going to sporting events are my favorite thing to do, and being in Rogers Center and hearing you know just the crowd roar and the players run out of the tunnel with the seasons they're having, it was just so magical and. You know the team went on a nine and two run in that homestand against uh, Kansas City, Cleveland, and Boston, and it w- it wasn't just like okay yeah the two opponents there maybe weren't as good as you know playoff uh, playoff contenders but you know th- they were out of games early and like let's say I remember one game against Boston uh, they were get- they were getting smacked around I think you actually started that one. And the home crowd, the way it erupted when the Jays started coming back, and they eventually won that game. And it was just so awesome to see, you know, Roger Center with fans again. The noise around the city was crazy. It actually felt like 2015 again. And the summer vibes, um, you know, you just can't compare to uh, any other thing. And, you know, that was a huge thing for me. That's why I put it as my number one. Uh, What about you? What was your number one?
1: Oh, number one. I think that's a that's a really good one. That's a really good one. Honestly, my number one uh, has to be. It, it might be that uh that Simeon walk off. Well, actually, it probably that Lourdes Grand Slam against the A's. Yeah. But just that whole game, that whole like you know, the way it went down mm-hmm. it was just unreal. Just un- I think that was where you saw life because there was that stretch where you know, and I'll say it a million times, I knew we were in trouble when we lost both to the Nationals and then uh, I think it was lost all but one to the Angels and then got swept by the Mariners, I think. That was, like, a really bad stretch. And, you know, that was where things felt, like, at their lowest. And I think that Oakland game was where things were, like, maybe they can do this. You know, and obviously they didn't ultimately end up doing it, Mm -hmm. but to come back from where they came back from and then to see the Lourdes Grand Slam and then the Marcus Simeon walk-off home run, that was just unreal. That was just unreal. But I would uh, agree with you. Like, that... Honestly, that that is up there, too, that uh, Springer home run. That was phenomenal.
0: I'm not going to lie. That uh, Simeon moment was actually my third uh, moment, so I guess uh, we can just get that one out of the way. Like I said, uh, you know, when Simeon and when we had the fans back, like, that home run... Um, Unfortunately, I, I wasn't even, I wasn't there. I wasn't even watching the game because I was driving and I had the radio on uh, with a couple buddies and they were hardcore Jays fans as well. And, you know, obviously at the time of this um, game, you know, Oakland uh, was in like competing for a wildcard spot as well, right? And they were perceived as a pretty good team and they had, you know, their chance at actually getting in. So it was a tight race with the Jays here. And then, you know, when you hear Simeon, Gets that line drive homer, like the car erupted. I and then the, hearing the fans on the audio, like it was just so magical. So I guess now we can get the third. Oh, yeah. one
1: If I can, if I can even add to, it, I think if I remember the situation correctly, I think because obviously this is Simeon playing his former team, yeah. You know, but in the Rogers Center, but if I remember correctly, they were down, I think, like six. I think they were down six or something, and then they scored nine runs in the um in the last two innings, I think, yeah. and. They started with like, you know that grand slam from Lourdes tied it, but then they gave up two in the top half, right? Yeah, okay, and then with two on, Simeon walks it off, and I think that's just like that's just unreal. Like I, I yeah. that was phenomenal. That was, that was awesome. awesome. But right, um, so guess... my second one now or whatever. Or
0: yeah, go whatever.
1: ahead. Um, I want to go with Alec Manoa's debut. Oh man, you're taking online. mine. I feel like that's <laughs> that, that's my guy, man. That's my guy. Like that, that, that was man. awesome. I think it was, you know, called up in the Bronx. I mean, mind you, they didn't have their best lineup, but I don't care. Pitching in the Bronx is intimidating for your first career start. And the dude showed up, like, six innings pitch, seven strikeouts. You know, he he did his thing, right? And that was the start of – Yeah, that's – well, that was the start of a great first year for him.
0: That was one of the best games of the season. You know, always – beating the Yankees is always fun, but when you have – Manoa is such a hyped up prospect come up and do that to you know what's one of the biggest rivals for the Blue Jays that was just so awesome so that that was my second one so I guess you should have one more we'll just finish it there go ahead
1: uh yeah I think um if I had to pick one more so this might stand out as like a weird but I was honestly that two home runs game by Springer when he came off the DL and then he ended up right back on it I know but when he came off and he hit those two home runs, that was, like, where we were like, okay, we got our guy. You know what I mean? Because I think he hit one. It was a 470-foot bomb. This was back when they were still playing, um, you know, in Florida. But, um, man, that was impressive. Like, you see a guy come in after being – and he was hobbling. Like, it was ridiculous. He was hobbling around the bases. Couldn't couldn't even, like, run, basically. Um But, no, I think not even, like, that was just where I – well, it was like confirming like yeah we got a special one right like that's that's what we have now and i think he proved it throughout the rest of the year moving forward um yeah. and i think there's some honorable mentions like i think uh Bo had a big home run against new york um yeah. that uh, late late in the season um but yeah no that one to me was uh, was pretty big
0: there's just so many magical moments like yeah. it's so hard to pick like going through my top three i like i remember too i had to cut so many out. like this was just a magical season. And I can't believe that they actually didn't make it to the postseason. And it, it really stings because you never know if, we, if we're going to see a team like this again, right? Like, I know a lot of people who, um, you know, like analysts and stuff like that, they always said, um, you know, if the Jays get in, watch out for the Blue Jays because if the Jays got into the playoffs, this team, you know, they could have made a serious run. Like, I don't see a lot of teams beating the Jays in a series um, if the offense was hitting as it was. And then the pitching as sharp as it was late in the season, the starters, you know, I think it'd be a very tough task to beat the Blue Jays. And, you know, like we saw with the Braves this year, who knows what run they could have went on, right?
1: No, for sure. They were they were playing. I I would honestly, yeah, they're playing their best baseball down the stretch. Like if they got in, I have no doubt with the way the roster came along because we did get arms back like that bullpen that was terrible it was starting to look decent because we did get guys back like Pearson and Meriwether and although they weren't you know Meriwether wasn't what he was in the beginning that's an arm that you needed And and you saw other guys that were on the roster that were actually performing I think if they got in there was a good chance that they would could go all the way like that's how serious they were right nobody wanted to play us nobody wanted to see us it's just it was just a fact right like I I can't think of any other team that was scarier you know I just I just don't see it happening
0: all right, now let's move on. Um, what is a moment you think was a negative that limited the Blue Jays' success this year?
1: Uh, the Brad Hand trade.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was definitely like that's
1: the obvious one. But, um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like that's got to be it. I mean, it's not even about what you gave up for him. It's just that you trade for this guy. You knew he wasn't. You know, he you knew he wasn't what he was. But mm-hmm. you figure an experienced lefty could never hurt you know to have in the pen yeah but you know it it turned out that it was the complete opposite you know I think when you walk a rookie uh Jared Kelnick, who has like two hits on the year to lose the game Mm. I feel like you know at that point something's wrong you know but clearly that thing was a dumpster fire and we cut ties shortly after but when he was here he made an impact for the wrong reasons
0: uh somewhat like uh, chatwood eh
1: yeah no i think well he was i, I don't want to say anything but I, it was pretty obvious that it was because of the crackdown on the substances he was phenomenal up until then mm-hmm. and then right after just a dumpster fire just a dumpster fire
0: all right an answer to this question kind of let's give uh the listener something a little different here what about Biggio? like what what do you think about that i, I think a lot of people expected some serious production of him this year. And, um, you know, if we got even, like, half of a BGO we expected, uh, you know, this Jays team could have had, you know, another bat that can do some serious damage. And I know everyone's like, okay, well, you had 45 home runs, Simeon. Like, what what's BGO really going to add? But you take that bat, you know, a lot of people talk about how Dickerson and, you know, lefties and righty hitters, but, it is true. This Jays team was actually more productive when they had the lefties in it. So, um, tell me, do you really think Biggio, um, how big of that factor, in your opinion, was it that he, I don't want to say busted this year, but
1: I mean, yeah.
0: Offseason hype.
1: I mean, I, where we're concerned, I love. I love the, the, the advanced numbers in terms of, you know, the on-base percentage, the the walk rates. I love that. But yet last year was disappointing by every stretch of the imagination. Like it, you know, so terrible defender at third base, you know, wasn't great. Uh, and the back just never showed up. Right. And I mean, he was dealing with a neck injury that ended up sidelining him for the year. And, you know, that was a major issue. And that's the tricky thing, right? Neck injuries and spinal injuries, those things, those things stick around and they mess with you. Right. So yeah. In one regard, I am willing to, you know, give him, cut him some slack where that's concerned. But I think all that does is put a lot of pressure on this year, right? Because he has like, he has to make that jump, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we saw him come up with Bo and Vlad, and he looked, honestly, he looked the most MLB ready at the time, because the plate vision translated, the defense translated, and yet we saw none of that when, he, like, after his first year. His first year was okay. His first year was decent, but mm-hmm. besides that, you know, we didn't see it last year at all. So I think he really has to start playing. Uh, up to at least at least 80% of what his potential is because you need that lefty bat. You need that walking, you know, you need that on-base presence because you need guys in front of Bo, Bo and Vlad who can get on. Right. Cause I think he probably projects as a bottom of the order bat and, you know, probably a nine stick, eight stick, but you know, a guy who gets on base at the bottom of the order is, is very valuable. And I think that's overlooked. Um, I still hope that he can be a, a great player because, you know, his, his vision's outstanding, but you know, we're going to have to see some improvements both on both sides of the ball next year. Like, it just has to happen or else, you know, I don't know where his future lies.
0: Yeah, uh, like, I agree. If this lineup uh, going into next season, you know, obviously we don't have, like we've talked about Simeon's production in it, but if Biggio can kind of give us what we kind of hoped for or expected, um, you know, that's a huge advantage. And then, you know, obviously like we talked about. I'm sure that like the Jays management's not done. I'm sure they're gonna go add. But uh the numbers with the lefty bats, the Jays, uh it, like they were in favor of it. Like, you know, it clearly Yeah. So Biggio, we like <laughs> seriously, we need Vizio back to be what uh we hoped because then I think we can really get this different gear on this Jays team. And it could be, you know, a really powerful offense given uh, you know, what they got here.
1: Yeah, well, I loved, I loved the Dickerson move, in my opinion. You know, obviously, you got uh, Simber out of it, and Simber's going to be here for a couple more years as a result. But I think, like, that was a very underrated pickup because although he maybe didn't have the best, like, counting stat time here in terms of, like, you know, looking at his average, and maybe he didn't have the most uh, home run. Although I think he did have a decent amount of home runs when he was here cause compared to in Miami. But mm-hmm. it felt like he was always hitting in those big spots. Just because that change of pace to a lefty is just like, you have to have it. You just, you have to have one. I mean, we saw what happened uh, with the, with the other J teams. I mean, they were good, like with 2015 and 2016, they they were good, but that right-handed heavy lineup, like it does have its problems sometimes. Right. And to have a one, one or two steady lefties in the lineup is just game changing.
0: All right, well, as we near the end of this inaugural episode of the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast, I uh, hear from the Battleborn Fan Talk Network. Uh, let's, I know we kind of touched on this earlier on in the episode, like the like almost exactly the exact start, um, but let's just end uh, 2021 on, on, on a good note and talk about Vlad. Uh, just, you know, an insane year, in my opinion, would have been MVP if Otani, you know, like, that's so unlucky. Any given year, this guy would have won the MVP award. Um, he had 47 home runs, 109 RBIs, a 311 average, um, you know, a 597 slugging with a 400 op- uh, on-base percentage, uh, almost a 1,000 OPS. Uh, tell me, do you think – I know I answered this earlier on, but do you, really, do you think, like, genuinely, that we can see an improvement in Vladdy next year? Um, I think that
1: honestly, an improvement is tough because you look at those numbers and you're like, that's outstanding. Like that's literally that, you know, you're not far off of triple crown like area, like, you know, sure. He might not have been one, two or three in a lot of the categories at the end of the year, but you know, I think that honestly, even being able to like sustain that production, in my opinion, would be phenomenal. 80 percent of what he did is phenomenal, right? Like even if he comes back with 80, 85 percent, that's a great year, right? Like I think, I think that you know I'm not going to expect him to do this again next year, but I'm expecting him to be in this range, you know, that 40, that 40 home run-ish area, that 100 RBI-ish area, uh, the average around 300. I think that's kind of what we'll see. Even in, in the on base will probably be close to 400. I think that's kind of what he's shown that he's capable of doing, and I think that. Uh, as long as he stays in this shape that he's in now, there's no reason he can't, you know, can't do that. I think the defense was phenomenal by the end of the year. Like, I think he's going to be a great defender at first base if that's what they keep him. Um, And I think, yeah, I think the one thing is just that you saw the 162-game season. There was that little stretch where he was gassed. You could tell he was gassed. Oh,
0: for
1: sure. He had that big slump where he couldn't hit anything, right? And I think think that's kind of what you want to see kind of slowly get out of his system next year i think that'd be the biggest step like not seeing that massive slump but aside from that there's not really much he can do to improve it was a phenomenal season honestly otani had to be superhuman to win that and he did yeah right there's no like i don't even know if vlad won the the triple crown if he would have won mvp to be honest with you i I don't know right because that's just you know it, it it's a tough one there and i think um it was a phenomenal season, nonetheless, and I hope that he can be most of that next year.
0: One thing I do see with obviously, you know, this season was you know the most like all like the most you can ask for to any player in the majors. Like this season was insane by Vladimir. Um, but what I, what I think is going to happen next year is, tell me if you agree. I think we're going to see the numbers drop in the offensive category, but maybe not OPS and stuff like that, but the walks I think are going to inflate a serious Mm -hmm. amount. Because at the end of the year, you started seeing pitchers not want to play with, you know, Guerrero and they kind of pitched outside. And I think we're going to see an inflation in walks. What about you?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I think uh, you even saw this during the season um, when he was relaxed and like comfortable in his stance, he was drawing a ton of walks. Yeah. There was that part where I think, I think Bo suffers this, suffers from this more than Vlad does but mm-hmm. you could see how when guys were starting to pitch around them you know Bo would chase a ton and I think Vlad did to an extent but by the end of the year he cleaned that up and you know he was you know it, it, I, it was at a point where it was like it was either an extra base hit or it was a walk and I think that's kind of where he's going to be moving towards I think you'll see a ton of walks next year and I think he has the eye for it as well right I think mm-hmm. I think his exceptional eye mixed with the facts of what he did last year uh, he's not going to see many hittable pitches. So, uh, yeah, I, don't, I I think that's – I think you're correct in thinking that.
0: Yep, yeah, it was definitely an insane season for Vladdy, One I'll never forget. Uh, truly, um, you know, an, a young offensive face of not only the Toronto Blue Jays franchise but face of the MLB along with Tatis, Acuna, and Juan Soto. Um, but, you know, we're getting to the end of this episode. Um, this was – a nice, I guess, look back at 2021 definitely could have been, um, you know, yes, an, an even better season if they did make it to the postseason. but uh, you know, we just got to look forward to 2022, right?
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, there's plenty to be excited about. I think we're probably out of most teams in the MLB, I'd say we've got to be up there for most exciting, uh, you know, outlook for the future. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, 2022 i think this is our first because you know last year was like the start of the competing window but like this is now like now we're competing like that was always the plan they always said 2022 was the plan
0: yeah
1: right so this is the year so i think they'll add another piece uh we'll talk about that next time we'll talk about potential trades maybe look at some prospects stuff like that that could impact uh 2022 but i think yeah there's lots to be excited about and i think we'll uh it'll be a fun ride as long as we get baseball back i we need that back soon
0: so for those listening, that is what's to come on the next episode. As Nick just said, uh, a forecast, basically of what to expect in 2022. Uh, that recording should be in the new year. Um, I'm really excited for that. You know, what a way to kick off the year. Right. And hopefully, like you said, we do get some baseball because I cannot wait to record more episodes on uh, our favorite team in major league baseball. So Nick, I want to thank you for joining me today. I want to thank you all who listen uh nick anything you want to say before uh we end the first episode ever of the um, battleborn yeah blue man J- i mean i'm excited to start this
1: um you know it was i think we did a great job for the first episode and there's plenty of cover i think we we're lucky man we got a good team to cover there's oh, yes, we do. A, lot, a lot of teams you could you you wouldn't be able to do this night in night out there's always something with the blue jays right so always just got to look forward to it and uh we'll be pumping up loads of content man so
0: All right. Thank you for joining, Nick. And thank you all for listening. Go Jays, go.